The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you looking for a new and empowering lens through which to view your life and your health? Then register now for Get Healthy with Sound, a weekend workshop with Eileen McCusick, an innovator in the fields of therapeutic sound, electric health, and the human biofield. May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn easy and accessible techniques to reduce stress, improve focus, and increase energy. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Wow, everybody. I just spent the most amazing hour with four of my favorite colleagues, (laughs) mediums, and amazing friends. They are going to share so much insider information with you about what it's like to be a medium, how you can be the ideal client for a medium, how to find the best medium. Stay through to the very end because there are gold nuggets throughout. Check it out. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Messages of Hope. I'm so excited. Today is a show with four women who I love. They are friends and colleagues. And some of them were friends first and then became colleagues. And some were colleagues first and then became friends. But in any case, they're colleagues because every one of them is a professional medium. And we are going to ask questions that just come from the heart that I'm inspired to ask. I don't have any written down, but I'm going to try to think what you would want to hear if you had a chance to question some professional mediums. Let me bring them all on right now and introduce them to you. In fact, I'll introduce them by name and then go around and ask them to tell them to tell you a little bit about themselves. How's that? So we have Britta Grubin, who's coming to us, I believe, from London, right? That's right. Yeah. Lisa Wilcoxon from Arizona. Hi, everyone. Colleen Smith is in Virginia. Hello, everyone. And Nicole Riley in Louisiana. Hello. Wow. This is great. Okay. So what I'd like each of you to share is, do you consider yourself a born medium? And how you came to be working professionally? That's a good way to start. So Britta, we'll start with you. Yeah, great question. I do consider myself a born medium, but my soul didn't open up until I was in my 30s. I was very psychic for most of my life, um, but I didn't quite think that I had the ability to connect to those that had crossed over. And I actually crossed paths with you, Suzanne, in a class in Camarillo, California, many years ago and had made a beautiful connection. And it was just um, overdrive after that. So yeah, that's how I came to be in my mediumship. I love how you put that, Britta, because when I met you, you had no idea you were going to be working as a medium. So when you say that you consider yourself a born medium, it's not that you were seeing spirits your whole life. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. Okay. So it was a latent ability that blossomed and I have watched you blossom and it's been fascinating. How about you, Lisa? What's your story? Hi, Suzanne. Hi, everyone. I, too, would have to agree with Britt. I consider myself a born medium. I actually saw spirit. I do have one recollection of when I was five. 
but um, think of that as, you know, a child thinking there's something scary in their room. Um, I know I saw a man, but when I was 13, I definitely saw a spirit. And at that time, I thought I was just hormonally crazy. I literally thought that. So um, I let that experience go. And I came into my mediumship after both of my children crossed in 2013. And I was at grief retreats and was started seeing children everywhere, far more than I would see my own children. Wow. Children and spirit. Yeah. Yes. 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 With amazing evidence. Okay. Very cool. Colleen. Hi, everyone. Um, I consider myself a born medium. Uh, As a child, I saw spirit uh, vividly and um, and played with them all day long. Um, And that continued right up until uh, teen years when fear got in the way. And uh, it's really the media poltergeist, the exorcist, all sorts of scary things started coming through the media that, uh, and I didn't have anyone to mentor me and to make sense of what I was experiencing. And so um, I worked to turn the volume down. And then as I got older, I um, I did the reverse and I worked to turn it back up. Um, but I'm a, I'm a psychotherapist and I was uh, a bit afraid of professional retribution. So I didn't come out publicly. I was doing readings behind the scenes and using the information with my clients therapeutically. Um, but then my son Austin transitioned and, um, and I stepped into, stepped into my mediumship in full, full glory and, uh, and started doing it publicly professionally. Thank you. And Nicole. Hmm. Um, I feel like I was definitely a born medium. I was um, born and raised in New Orleans. And so, and I was also adopted at birth. And so I think that those two things in themselves played a really, um, a really big part in the fact that whenever I was young and I would see spirit or have conversations with the unseen, it was very accepted in my family. So it was never a taboo. Um, our, you know, our main hub of spirituality is um, in New Orleans is St. Louis Cathedral. And if you've ever been, you know that there's tarot card readers that are right outside the door. And um, so for me, it was, um, you know, and, and also being adopted and being the only one in my family that was adopted into a very huge family. I was an only child, but my parents both had huge families. We all lived on the same street. Um, it was just a really, I grew up in a, a tight community of my relatives. And so anything that I said, they thought was amazing because they were just so happy to have me. And <laughs> so I had a lot of freedom um, as a child in expressing myself. And it wasn't and it was it was it wasn't until I personally went through a dark night of the soul, and this was when I left my profession as a registered nurse, and was really trying to discover who I was, um, and you know had a moment in my life where I was really questioning everything, and this is when my mediumship ability opened up in a big way to where I couldn't deny it anymore, and so I knew that I had to take big steps um, in, um, in putting myself out there, which of course was never easy for any of us, but it was something that I knew that I had to do. And, um, having the support of the people that I love 
really helped to propel um, this work for me. And so I do believe that I was a born medium and um, I, I just have this, this deep feeling to let anyone know that if they're feeling the same way, we, we've all been through this place of like um, hesitancy and stepping out, you know, as you heard from all of us. So use us as an example. That's what I yeah. So here's a good question that occurred to me just now. People who don't live the way we do might have preconceived ideas of what our day-to-day -day world is like. So here's a great question. What's it like to be a medium when you're not working? Okay. Lisa, why don't we jump in with you there? Wow, that's a great question. Um, you know, we're just average everyday people walking around. And at the same time, I think there's always a part of us um, that notices all the little, the little snips here and there because spirit uses those things as we work and brings our memory back to those things that happen in our day. And I know that um, I personally enjoy most visits from people when when I see them and they snag me people in spirit and yet at the same time there's times where my mind is very three-dimensional and I'm I'm just out in the world and and just like everyone else so it's a blessing and I just enjoy anything that I'm able to pick up oh. Okay, how about Colleen next? And I won't necessarily ask all four of you every question, so don't think you have to be get something unique mm -hmm. each time. Uh, the everyday life of the medium. Um, you as a medium, just you. Me as a medium. Mm -hmm. um, I find, like Lisa, there are snags that happen throughout the day, and as my experience has grown, I've gotten gotten to a place where I'm like, oh, I know they're going to use that in a reading or, oh, that's that's significant. That stood out. And so the way I observe the world is a bit different. And um, but th through experience, I've learned to sort of like shut it off when I'm not working. Um, in the beginning, I wasn't quite as skilled at that. And so I just felt like there was an onslaught let, that I was seeing lots of spirits and hearing people and getting tapped. And so that was a lot in the beginning, but, but I got better at um, being able to modulate that. So uh, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not a hindrance as it once was, cause it was, could be overwhelming. Um, but uh, it's exciting because I wake up every day thinking what spirit going to show me. And uh, every day is an adventure. And so it's exciting is what I would say. Great. I think I do want to hear from each one of you, though, because this one can be for each of you. So, Nicole, what do you say to that? Uh, my response to that is I have an on and off button. And I learned that early on in my mediumship when I was really struggling and a mentor um, said to me because um, I couldn't sleep at night. And I was like, they just keep talking to me because it felt like it was something that we had, I had to do, or like I had to experience. And she said, tell them to stop. And I was like, tell them to stop. And I didn't know if I wanted them to stop. Right. But, but I did. And this was the biggest, um, it was a challenge, but it was probably the most, um, 
life-saving thing for me because I did feel like my connection was so um, electrified that I needed to have a boundary. And so, um, yeah, I, I literally have an on and off button. Very good. It's not always on during the day. It's a choice. Yes, there you go. Okay. And Britta. Yeah, great question. Like to be a medium. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm a mom. I've got three young kids. And so I'm very busy um, living that world of my life. And then I can just step into the power. And it's taken me time to get to that point where I can just step in and I'm ready to go and, and connect with a loved one. I think one of the greatest gifts that I found through my eyes as a medium is I see things differently. I look at things with love all the time. And so I've grown so much with patience and acceptance in just the everyday world. And so just like Nicole said, you can set parameters with the spirit world and you work with them because they're part of your team as you keep growing and you can turn it on and off. So, yeah. Excellent. Now I know for sure three of you studied in the past with the great Mavis Patilla. Have all of you? Yeah. Yeah, it is. You all have, right? Yeah. So I was just watching a video of Mavis in which she talked about cycles affecting our mediumship and our connections, such as the seasons or even the phases of the moon. I'm curious if any of you have actually studied your own mediumship, because as Mavis has pointed out, that could be different for each of us. I might do really well when the moon is full and not really well when the moon is just a sliver, but it might be different for other mediums. I'm curious, personally, have any of you identified certain cycles when you might not schedule a reading or demonstration because you're aware it affects you. Anybody? I can answer that. Okay, Nicole, great. Um, I, I love working with the moon personally. I feel like uh, moon energy is something that I really gravitate towards. And I find that when there's a new moon, I go, there's a few days before the new moon is a dark moon. You know, they call it a dark moon. And I find that this, my mediumship readings during a dark moon are very deep. They're, they're deep in the way that they're, um, I don't know, they come through differently. It's like a, um, it's like, there's just some extra magic in that space of like going down, uh, you know, down rabbit holes with my clients. Like we just keep going, we're bring up something. Um, I'm connecting in with spirit and spirit will bring something up and we have the conversation about it. And then we just go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And it's, it's such, I find there's so much healing when this happens. Whereas when it's a full moon, I don't know. It's like, I guess I'm like howling at the moon because I am like on moving quick. I move very fast during this time um, of energy. So yeah, it's interesting that you, that you asked that question. I love that because quite honestly, it's something that I just, you kind of think that you just, you do yourself. And so I'm happy to know that Mavis said there's such a thing. It makes me, makes me feel, you know, a little bit more confident in that. So yeah, that's, that's a interesting way. I just, I just thought that, that those listening might be interested that energies affect the medium as much as the client, anybody else notice it, actually make a study of that. I'd, I'd like to respond to that, Suzanne, because I was actually just speaking about it yesterday. Huh. I've noticed um, through the years in working, I've noticed that the month of October, I don't know why it is the month of October, but I seem to just struggle with connection. Now, I don't know if that's personally because I have a lot of 
angelversaries, we call them, in September. And so I would think it would have been September. And yet October, we have Halloween in October, which which if you think of everyone talks about All Souls Day and, and the veil being thin. For me, it's just personally, I've noticed an ebb in my ability to connect then. So, and I know I've actually talked with um, the beautiful women that are on with us today about the moon, as, as Nicole says, it is, it can move the sea. It can move it, it. I think everyone should do this. I encourage everyone to do, look at their moon cycles. Interesting. Thank you. All right. Let's see. We are always improving. I want everybody to know this, that is that, that everybody continues to get better. So I would love to hear from each of you, what has improved for you in the last year that you're thrilled about with your mediumship? Hmm. Britta, can you answer that one off the bat? Yeah, I can. Um, it's a bit more like, I guess, technical or tactical. I love watching other mediums. I learn a lot through other mediums. And I crossed paths with someone who was really good with numbers, like really, really good. And I thought, you know, I really want to get better with numbers. I'll every now and then get dates for birthdays and stuff. And so I went to the spirit world, as Mavis would teach us, and say, have a conversation, have them show you examples of getting better with numbers. And it slowly unfolded. And I got to a point where I was literally shown full addresses, ATM pin numbers. Oh. And it's been amazing for me to work at that, but it didn't start that way. And I had to have the confidence and the courage in the session to go with what I would see. And so when you go to spirit and you ask them to help you with something, you've got to be willing to take the risk in the mediumship session with your client. And it's just been great to watch something like that unfold. How exciting. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, uh, we uh, there was a medium named Albert Best who was a postman in his day job, and he would get addresses of the spirits because that was his thing all the time. Very accurate. Oh, that's your your father lived at one two three Main Street, <laughs> that kind of thing. So when you hear what's possible for other mediums, like Bert is talking about studying them, it opens up the world of possibilities for all of us. How about you, Colleen? What are you excited about? What's getting better? Um, trust. And building trust and um, in that trust, using my imagination more on the interpretation of the data, because in mediumship, you know, data, if you will, comes in and then Colleen here on Earth has to interpret that data. And um, when you begin, you have a more limited set of how you interpret data. If you see um, somebody at a dining a dinner table, you might say, oh, the person really enjoyed to cook and putting dinner, you know, having an elaborate dinner. And when you loosen up a bit as your journey goes on and you can use your imagination, a lot more potential definitions come in for what each piece of data could mean. And as I've stretched my imagination, I actually have become a lot more accurate because a lot of times the definition of the, the image that you're getting isn't the narrow box. It's something off and very unique and using my imagination allows me to be more accurate on those unique interpretations. I want to come back to imagination because that's a big question that comes up in all mediums. Mm. So I made a note. Yeah. Meanwhile, let's go to Lisa. What are you excited about in your? Oh my gosh. 
I would have to um, put together kind of what Britta and Colleen said. Names for me has just gotten phenomenal and, and I just love it. And it comes from, as Britta said, asking spirit, working working with your team, working with my guides that, that literally I went through most of my life not even knowing I had. And now knowing I have complete and, and amazing support 100% of the time if I remember to go there is really phenomenal. But also as Colleen said, the trust and, and, you know, being able to say, I have this name and this is so-and-so and, and trusting the nose as well, because countless mm -hmm. times I tell my clients, spirit is not wrong. And I get emails back that say, oh, my gosh, that that was my stepsister. I don't know what I was thinking of, you know, things like that. So um, as you said, we're always practicing. It is a it is a practice and and it's just beautiful. Nice. Very healing. It's it's encouraging to all of us that we we can always get better no matter where we are, no matter if we're happy and thrilled with our connection now to know that we keep improving, but that we're never really satisfied. <laughs> yeah. How about you, Nicole? I think for me, um, it's been taking risks. I've been really open to taking more risks in my mediumship, meaning um, I I go back to um, doing a, um, a demonstration of mediumship where was sitting next to Mavis and, you know, bringing up like, you know, an object. And I'm like, you know, the, the, the jewelry box is on the counter and I'm like describing the jewelry box and 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 anyway I'm describing the detail I think perfectly and I'm describing it and she's saying and what's in it and go and what what is in it oh yeah. and, and what else and and what else and what color is it and what, and so I found, and I'll never forget that. And at the time I was so afraid to do that in my mediumship. Cause when you're a baby medium, you don't, you, we really don't want to hear a no mm -hmm. because it really knocks, it, it can knock us out of, you know, of, of, of the zone. Um, but now it's like, I'm like, give me a no, you know, <laughs> I want a no because when it comes, I feel like we grow. I don't want to always have yeses, to be honest with you. I want a challenge. Like I want a no. And so, because I always tell my clients, I'm like, if it's a no, you're not going to offend me. If it's a no, we're going deeper. Like, why did we get this? No. So I feel like this year has been really fun because I was ready for a little fun in my mediumship too, you know? And so this year I started to have more fun um, with the work and almost like, it's like, I feel like sometimes I'm like asking them to give me a wrong bit of information in a sense so we can sort of like, in a way, like maybe not the whole full story so that we can play a little and we can go deeper and we can, we can get more details or, you know, maybe even more like of a wow factor. And we all know as mediums, you know, we're, we're not in it for the wow factor, but the wow factor is phenomenal. It, it changes lives because people can't deny you're tapping into their loved one. Absolutely. So I feel like it's more taking the risk and in my mediumship and, and 
that is actually, you know, just my continued goal for this year is to just keep pushing the envelope in a sense. Um, so, awesome. yeah. Awesome. One thing that I love about all four of you is, is you know, we, we're all just, we, we're reverent of the spirit world and we, and your ethics and integrity are so high, you know, but uh, there have been times when I know I've needed to reach out to a colleague and say, okay, it's time to hang up the hat. When you have a client who you, just something happens when you're like, if, if you didn't have somebody that understood what you were going through, you might just hang up the shingle, say, I've had it. I don't need this. What to you is the ideal client in a reading? Okay, let's ask Lisa. Gosh, the ideal client in a reading um, is one one who is open, I would have to say. And oftentimes I get, you know, we all get the skeptics that come to our readings and the ones, in fact, it's so funny. Oftentimes people will even book under pseudonames or give a, you know, create an email address simply for the reading and then can't find their, their reading link because they can't remember their pseudo, <laughs> their pseudo email address. But, um, for me, I would have to say to be open, to be open to what comes because I have absolutely no control over what spirit's going to say. And it is those times where it's the little thing that I have no idea what it means. I'm simply the conduit. I just deliver it. And then I see the client with their eyes well up, you know, in the or the gasps, or the the thing that really touches their heart, because it is sacred work we do. It truly is. And to have a client come with an open mind, to have a client come knowing that indeed this truly is divine working with spirit, and and you know being willing to see what you know what the gift is from their loved one for them is what I think is ideal. That's a great answer. And I don't know if the other three have anything different from that. Anybody have anything to add about being the ideal client, Nicole? I feel like um, also being the ideal client for me would be someone who is ready to see mediumship as more than um, like a smoke and mirrors type of um reading like um you know i i love a client that is ready to step in and and connect in with spirit understanding that it's not it's it's about profound healing it's about miracles that happen um in our time together with the evidence that we receive but it's also about taking that information and doing something with it like mm. deepening you know, I, I really want my clients to see that there's so much that comes through a reading that's not just for the moment. It's for you to take with you and for you to grow with. And so um, an ideal client for me would be someone that is ready to really step in and make significant changes in their lives because they're choosing to have a mediumship reading. Beautiful. Wow. Good stuff. 
Excellent. Thank you. Colleen. Suzanne, I would echo what Lisa had to say. You took that's exactly being open. But in addition to that, a client who puts some thought into their time with spirit. So they come, they're not at work, they're not in their car. They've they've spent at least a few minutes shifting gears and doing what they need to do to relax, be it meditation, incense, but put laying the groundwork for a beautiful session and then absolutely open heart um, and open mind with what both Nicole and Lisa said, but it does, it does work best if somebody prepares for the session. Yeah. I, I have done readings for people in their cars, but then I understand it's their only place where they can get away from a busy family. So I get what you're right. saying, but I also had one client, it was a phone reading and I remember her saying, Oh, give me a second. The light just turned red. And, yeah. and I said, oh, you're driving? Let's just stop right here and wait till you can be somewhere where you can pay attention. Yeah, yeah interesting. Anything to add, Britta? No, I think everything everybody said echoes just having that open heart. I love when it's a client who's never had the experience before and you can just see the depth of their growth in the session of making the connection and realizing how real and that their loved ones are all around them. And like Nicole said, what they do with it after they continue to build that connection, because we all know that we're all mediums in our own way. We just have a bit more of a advanced ability to connect to others. So nice. Okay, here's one. I can't wait to hear your answers because they may be different for each person. How would you react? What would you say or do if a client came to you and said, okay, I want to connect with my loved one and I want to hear the one thing that's going to convince me. I, I know what it is. The one thing or our password or code word. Who wants to go first with that one? I'll go. Um, I do get that. Uh, and I explain to them that I'm literally the open conduit. I'm the operator. I don't control the information that comes through while you've set that intention. You may hear in the information that they're sharing today, what that is. Uh, there might be time to ask a question, but think about that question. Cause a lot of times when they think about that question, it will just unfold, but there can be so many other gifts that are shown in the session that even if it's that one word that they're looking for, perhaps it ends up being, you know, not the word, but the bird, you know, that was the word or something. So I don't, I try to have them understand that you don't want to be so focused on that one thing because you're going to miss all the other beauty that comes in with the session. Nice. Colleen? Zen, um, I've had that too, just like Brit, I'm sure all of us. And um, sometimes if somebody gets so focused on it and wants it so badly, it reduces their energy and it, it pulls them in and it makes it hard because the sitter is part of a big part of the energy equation. And so the more open somebody is, the better their battery is and their energy is. And, and it's not just a code word. It's if they get so focused on the one person they want to hear from or the one example or, you know, incident that they want to hear about. Anytime we get closed then the energy closes and then um, it impacts the success of the reading. I mean, we can get through it. We push through it, but I think it would be more robust if that closure um, didn't happen. So. I don't know if that's the same for, for Lisa and Nicole. And you want to address this topic? Sure. I would also just mirror what they both said with both of our um, Colleen and Britta said 
in that respect. And I really loved what Britta said as well, because it's like we, we are, as the conduit are here to, we, we are work to, really, you're hiring us to do, to do this work for you, but really we're working for spirit. I mean, you know, we're working for spirit. So if spirit chooses to share that, that's great. Ha to hyper fixate on something is, I don't know. I, I don't want to diminish it, but it just seems so childlike in a way because it's like there's so much more that spirit wants to share with you and I understand that you want that one thing but at the same time that's your stuff that you need to work on that's not spirit and and that's not us and that's not the way that we connect we're not on demand mediums you know we're not here for a, it's not a show you know and and I don't like that energy at all. I really, really repels me. And when someone says that to me, because I've had it before, I've literally looked at them and said, this is just repelling. It's just, it's, it's just putting this energy that doesn't need to be there. Let's just let that go. And just like Britta says, if it happens to show up beautiful, but then I ask them, if I can't give that to you, are you going to be okay? Yeah. And, you know, I've had a client that said, no, I'm not going to be okay. If you can't give this to me. And I said, then I'm not your medium. Yep. 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 Been there. Are you looking for a new and empowering lens through which to view your life and your health? Then register now for Get Healthy with Sound, a weekend workshop with Eileen McCusick, an innovator in the fields of therapeutic sound, electric health, and the human biofield. May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn easy and accessible techniques to reduce stress, improve focus, and increase energy. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you. Anything to add, Lisa? I would just like to add that um, everything everyone has said has been has been right, spot on. But it also limits you to, like I said in the beginning, and as everyone has said, we have no control over what spirit's going to share. All, all we are, the conduit. Now we can ask them questions, but there's no guarantee they're going to answer. I find in readings, it's far more wow. It's far more legitimate when spirit says, dad, I know you're wearing my socks right now, or, or something like that, that, you know, you're able to know your heart knows that's your person. That's your wife. That's your um, whatever it is. I find that a lot of clients come and place some of their loved ones objects nearby and spirits able to use that as well, but don't have, don't be tied down to the one thing because um, you could wind up missing an absolutely incredible communication if you're laser focused on that one word. Although, you know, there are times I'm sure all of us have delivered that one word. And yet um, I would hate for someone to think that mediumship is the television commercial, an entire hour of the television commercial you see for some mediums where, you know, their wow moments of their reading and the entire reading is going to be like that. Those have been, you know, those have been under production and, and filtered out for that, for that 30 second clip. Um, although most, most of the time, most of the reading, you know, should be incredibly meaningful. 
even to include those Easter eggs that spirit will give you that you'll find after your reading. I like that. Good term. The, the little hidden gems that, that we get, we call it the after party when I get an email and, and it has, oh my God, I just discovered <laughs> this was right. That's that no that Nicole said. I'm not going to take that no because I know it's right. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about emotions and emotionality, if that's a word that come up in a reading. I, I know when I'm teaching, I have a lot of students who are new to mediumship and when they feel the love coming through the spirit world and they see the person sitting across from them receiving the messages burst into tears, then they burst into tears. Talk about just any any memories you've had of strong emotions in a reading and how you deal with it, either the clients or your own. Anybody, it's up for uh, So I'll, I'll start. Um, I used to be pretty emotional when I was training with Mavis and she used to say, got to let that pass through. You've got to work on that. Let that pass through. And I've worked on it quite well, but I still have moments where you can feel that soul to soul connection and it gets you and it's okay because I'm still living my human experience and it still shows the depth of the love that's going through from me to the sitter that's sitting across from me. So I don't worry that, you know, I'm overly emotional. It's like, oh, you know, gosh, I can feel the intensity of this love. This is just so beautiful. You know, your son is right here and they're typically showing the same emotion. So I allow that to happen. I, I remember doing a reading, Berta, you reminded me of feeling that love for, uh, uh, it was a, a gay couple, two guys, and one was across the veil. And when the, by the time that reading ended, there had been so much love flowing through me. I looked at my client and I said, I just love you. I mean, I felt like I knew him forever. I love that guy. (laughs) And I had just met him. It's just because you're just bathing in it. And you take on the bit of their mannerisms too, when you're channeling through them and stuff. So, yeah. yeah. And and I think um, part of our role or the role that I do is I make a space for that strong emotion to come into the room and I'm going to hold the client while they experience that. And, and, and it's some of the best readings is when you make that space for the deep emotion to come. And I, you know, I'm human too. And it's going to, plus as we touch it, you can feel it. You literally can feel the love or when their team comes in and it's so supportive and you just feel, you feel all of that um, greatness. It's hard not to be moved. It's hard not to be moved. And so, and I find the clients are really gracious about, I mean, I'm not sobbing hysterically. It'll be, you know, tears or my voice will quiver and things like that. But I make lots of space for my clients to, to revel in that experience. The other yesterday I was doing a reading and a man was talking with his departed wife. We were talking with his departed wife and he suddenly just burst into tears and started telling me how much he missed her. And I held space for that because that's part of what a reading is. It it is about getting data, but it's also a reunion. It's a visit. And that a really good reunion and visit has emotion in it. So yeah, yeah, I think it's a beautiful element. Nice. Nicole, you want to talk about that? Um, I remember I was, when I first um, stepped into mediumship, I went straight to Janet Nahavik's, uh church. This is where I went. And so I was mentored by her and by another British medium named Stella Upton. And I remember distinctly that, um, you know, 
a lot of the ways that we were taught was, you know, it was really the, the no emotion, you know, or hold back your emotion. It's not about you. You're the conduit, hold back your emotion. And for years, this is how I did my work. And then I'll never forget. I had a client, a female, and we were connecting in with her husband and I'm describing everything from the name of the book that's literally at the bedside table. It was one of my most profound readings because the evidence was so strong and I felt such a deep connection to this person. Like I felt like her, her husband and myself were just so merged in our personal life and, you know, and during the session. And so I thought this is just such a beautiful reading. And so when we come to the end of the reading, she said, um, I was like, you know, this is just such a man. <laughs> this is just such an amazing reading. I felt such a connection to him, and I hope you did too. And she said, Nicole, you brought through so much evidence, and it's really astounding. But you know, this one thing that you didn't say that I really needed to hear. And I was like, what was that? And she said, I just needed to know that he still loves me. Oh boy. Oh. Well, it hit me because I realized at this time that my mediumship had really been evidence, 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 you know, and it was like, this was what I was living on as like the evidence. And it really hit me hard because how do you say to someone, of course he loves you. He told me all the things, right? She wanted to hear that. I recognize that myself as a medium, I was not allowing myself to have emotions during my readings because it was you know how I was taught and so as soon as I started to allow or really really step into that it literally changed me as a person because I realized that I was very you know we have to remember that our personalities are in our readings you know, and I realized that I really had a, I started to have a real logical, strict personality when it came to this. And so um, by allowing myself to have emotions and to feel it and to, and to allow myself to get a little choked up when I want to have the conversation, I want to bring the message through has profoundly impacted my life and my mediumship. It's allowed me to have a, a more tactile feeling a more, more feelings, um, for myself with spirit. So, um, I think that we we're human beings. We have to be able to express ourselves in that sense. You know, of course I'm not sobbing with them, it would be very unprofessional, but, but to allow yourself to have the feelings, I think has been one of the most amazing, uh, gifts that I've received during doing this work. Beautiful. Wow. Yuck, all can see why I love these women. <laughs> Lisa, anything about emotions in a reading? Gosh, it's just, you know, it's just such sacred work that we do. I would have to say, as far as emotions come, it, it, everyone has already said it beautifully. Uh, we all worked with Mavis, the beloved Mavis, who would tell, because I would cry all the time, who would tell us the same thing, you are the medium. If you cry, People will think something's wrong. So if I do feel emotion, it's important to me to be able to explain why I'm feeling this emotion. And oftentimes I'll feel an emotion and that'll merely be a clairsentient emotion that someone's, in fact, yesterday I had a reading and the gentleman in spirit, I we were speaking of his brother, a reunion with his brother. And, and I said, I'm just seeing the tears with him. And yet I need you to know 
there are no tears once we cross. He's merely giving me this as an example to show the healing he feels that his brother, who they had been parted, came to his bedside as he was crossing and the forgiveness that was given there. So, so much can come through emotion. And I think all of us are, are open to that. And that's really, you know, we're here we're here to help you feel your loved ones. It's not about me. The end of my reading, as I know everyone here, the best thing you, you could tell us is, oh my gosh, I don't ever need to see a medium again. Yeah. Because that's what we work for is to let you know there is no death. Your loved one is around you and with you at all times. And how much more emotion can that be? That That's what it's all about is love. Beautiful. So I know that every one of us has our own filters based on our own life experiences. And we actually attract certain spirits to us that we were set up across the veil for readings based on they can see what kind of reading we're going to be able to give for their loved ones from across the veil. Uh, I also know that we have certain symbols that we use. Each of us may have certain symbols. So I'd be curious if each of you would address do you attract certain spirits because of your past, for example, or because of who you are? For example, I get an awful lot of former military people in the spirit world. And right away, I'll see a symbol of a salute, even though I to the not yet do I see faces because we're all evolving. That's my goal. But mm -hmm. I'll see a salute. And I know this person not only was in the military, but they were enlisted. If they show me a sword, they were an officer. So that's one of my little filters and a quick uh symbol that helps me know what we're dealing with. I'm curious if any of you have that experience. I, I was in the military as well. So I get a ton of military and I was a pilot. So I actually get a lot of pilots. I get a lot of dads and I spend a lot of time in garages. All those dads come and I don't know why, but they always give me a tour of their garage. They show me their tools and um, it's really interesting because if somebody wants to convey that they're a very organ, they were very organized when they were here, they'll show me that pegboard. Board. Yeah. Pegboard. <laughs> and if they're super organized, they show me that they outlined each tool. Oh my God. Um, and then other people will just show me like baskets with piles of tools. So, um, but almost all the guys take me out to the garage and uh, they show me their lawnmowers. And so I get if a lot they of they were energy. that way, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Very but cool. I, I get a lot of guys in military and engineers and science. And your husband's an engineer, so that's yeah, it. So. <laughs> okay. Who else? Um, I, I find just in the last 20 years, because I've moved so much in my personal life, that it's been a gift to have to look at things differently. And all the different world experiences I've had, I think has allowed me to connect to clients worldwide differently than maybe had I not had the travels or had the life experiences living abroad. So I can be brought right into that country or I'll see that experience of something similar that I've had and I'll be able to explain it. And it's been fascinating seeing that growth for myself and finding the gift in all of my moves. <laughs> that's, that's excellent, yeah. Okay, cool. Lisa, anybody? Any uh, well, I know, I know that uh, both you and Colleen and I all share having a child across the veil. So I know my boys are constantly bringing, constantly, constantly bringing children to me. Again, um, 
spirit uses our background. As you said, I was 30 years with American Airlines. So I too get a lot of, get a lot of um, the flight, flight people that are, you know, pilots and et cetera. And this is what they know. You, you may think you pick the medium, but your loved ones in spirit pick the medium. And I find that that, you know, those are some of the best readings as well is when we say, oh my gosh, my, my first son had um, special needs. So I am, I'm not a neurologist, but golly, we spent 10 years traveling the country to all kinds of neurological institutes. So I can say with clarity, oh, I'm seeing a PET scan was done here. And I know where there's uh, the tumors in the left occipital region because wow. Huh. You know, it, it's just from our own unique histories and our own unique perspective. But what's also amazing, and I know Britta's got some great stories of this, these as well, is when we get things that we are completely and utterly unfamiliar with and we say it. I worked with a woman in Bulgaria a couple of days ago, and I was saying names that I I didn't even know it was a name that I was saying. I said, well, it sounds like I can't quite make out what it is. And, um, you know, those are the things that are amazing as well. It's all amazing. It really is. It's sacred. It's divine. And it's, it's just, I am so filled with gratitude. Yeah. If it, when it stops being amazing and we stop being awed by it, that's when it's time to hang up the shingle. Right. Yeah. How about you, Nicole? Do you ever do you get nursing things? That was your background. Yeah, I do get a lot of nursing things. Um, I I also seem to attract the mysteries. You know, I seem to attract like the we're not sure what happened or um, the sort of convoluted way that they ended up passing. Um, I I don't. I mean, miss the mist not. The mysteries aren't like something that I like. Um, I'm not like a mystery seeker on the outside. Like I don't like listen to podcasts and things like that to where I would have that type of feeling like it's an, a, a magnetic attraction, kind of like uh, nursing would. But I do feel like it comes from, I feel like I attract the client that is wanting to go maybe deeper or wanting to like solve something, you know, like, I don't know. And I, I guess, you know, I guess that is sort of my nature, but um, like I get a lot of, uh, you know, either um, crazy uh, ways of passing, um, you know, they didn't pass here, but they passed two hospitals later and this is what happened and the doctor didn't do this. And, you know, it's like a sort of like a puzzle, you know, pu putting together puzzle pieces. And I have to tell you, it really wear me out, but I tend to get a lot of that, you know, and it just, and I think for all, we probably can all go, all go through this as well. Sort of like they come in spurts, like things mm -hmm. come in spurts. Like yeah. I remember when I, you first introduced me to helping parents heal and I wasn't even part of the organization yet. And then all of a sudden I started getting parents coming to see me with children. And I'm thinking to myself, where did this come from? Well, I think, I feel like it was an idea that you had put into my head. You know, you, you brought that up to me and then it, it was like, wait, there is, there is such a thing. I didn't, I'd never experienced this. There's such an organization. And so then 
they started coming. And, I, and so I, and the kids found out about you across the veil or it gets around. Yes. Yeah. So it feels like, you know, we have to, I want everybody to understand this, that we are all, that we're working with energy. And so what, even something that we may be like curious about, you know, it can come in a reading. And uh, sometimes there are clients that'll leave and I'm thinking to myself, that was meant for me to hear. That was meant for me as a human being to hear from the spirit world because it felt like it, it somehow it touched my soul and it pertained to me in some way as well. You know, so I think that we get exactly what we may not even know that we're good at. So I love that because I love challenges. So maybe that's where it comes from. And I feel like spirit pulls you in the direction of the topic like the other day I was doing a reading and I said, I didn't even realize I was doing it until like five minutes in, but I was narrating what I was doing almost like technique wise. And then it dawned on me that it was different. And I said to the client, are you studying mediumship? And she said, I am. And I said, oh, because I don't normally say why behind the curtains, what I'm doing. And I found myself doing it because spirit knows that's what she needed, or that's part of what she was interested in having in this experience. And I'm just a conduit. And so out of my mouth came all these pieces. And that's, that was beautiful to her to experience a mediumship reading while sort of watching the mediumship happen. So yeah. Nice. So I have no doubt that every one of you could share a very sacred story, a very serious story. I know that every one of you has had somebody come to you and say, your reading saved my life because you're dealing with people who are in the deepest, darkest periods of their life when they're in grief. But I would love to hear, personally, I want to hear, if you can think of maybe one of your top funniest things that ever happened in the middle of doing a reading. Funniest. I'll just give you an example while you're thinking. I'm doing a reading in my house when I lived in Florida and I hear this loud noise. It was so distracting. My husband was on the other side of the house. I said to the woman, your, your loved one's not going anywhere, but I have to check something. Give me a second. And I got up, I walked out into the hallway. There was water gushing straight up like a geyser out of the toilet down the hall <laughs> in the middle of the reading. And I remember shouting at my husband, we have a problem here. You need to come fix this. And I just went back, sat down, shifted back and said, now, as your son in spirit was saying, it just went on with the, the reading. They had been doing something with the pipes down the street, blasting all the pipes of the water. And it just was, it was clean water, but it was gushing up. That was my moment. Any of you, any kind of funny moment in a reading that you recall? I was doing a reading and uh, somebody's father came through and it was an older gentleman and he was showing me the TV remote and all the things that the older gentlemen do. And all of a sudden I, I saw him stand up and unbuckle his pants and lower his pants. And um, he was wearing the funniest flannel boxers and I, I wasn't quite sure, but I, so, so I trusted and took the chance and I said, Hey, this is what I'm seeing. And the person started cracking up and they said, absolutely. I know you have my dad because that was something he would do. He would literally show you the boxers that he was wearing and he had all these kooky, crazy boxers. And, I, and see if I, the, the baby medium to Nicole, I, I'm not sure I would have said something, but mm -hmm. I trusted, I took a chance and it was the exact 
piece that she knew it was her dad. So, that but it was funny to me, but that is great. <laughs> Y'all may not have one. Anybody have one or I'll move on to another question. Nope. No funny moments. I do. I'll tell you one more though. I remember one woman, it was on a zoom reading and you know, if somebody's on zoom and they're moving, the background moves. Right. And so I'm in the middle of connecting this woman with her child. And I said, are, are you moving around? Cause we talked about the need to be attentive and open. She said, yeah, I got to pee. Just keep going. <laughs> so this is what you have to train yourself to not think about what's going on while you can't see what's going on. I, I wanted to say, really, we can stop. <laughs> oh, goodness. So let's see. How do things change for you if you have one person in reading versus three or four members of a family all with you at once? Nicole, you're nodding your head. I'll go to you. Yeah, that can be tough. Um, so that that can be really tough. It happens all the time. Um, it can be really tough. Um, what specifically would you like to know about that, Suzanne? Just, Just how, how do you, how do you handle the the different energy? What's that experience? Yeah. Like? Yeah. So it's interesting because um, I find that. Um, when they come forward and they start to, it's it's almost like the, you know, you have, for me, I have like the main person in spirit, that's main spirit that's coming through. And they're like, and let me introduce you to, and then they just start bringing the other ones in. So that's definitely happened. And that's the way I, I'm like, okay, spirit, like we have our rules and my rules as a medium when I work with spirit. And that's the way that we work when we bring people in. Right. So, but there's been times when it's been, it's been like um, bringing people forward and there's the same personality um, or the same, you know, it could be like two brothers that are coming forward and there's very much a shared personality. And then when cl my client's like, well, wait, I think that you're talking about my other brother and you're not, you're talking about this brother. So it, it comes to us as a medium having to literally say to spirit, okay, you are responsible. You have to separate this for me. Yes. So I need a, an absolute from this one. And I need an absolute from this one. So then I, as a medium can go, okay, wait, this is the tweak in their energy. This is the tweak that I feel in their energy so that I can separate them and start having you know, bringing in uh, information from each one. But sometimes, you know, us as mediums, we have to set the set the rules, you know, on how we're going to receive. And we have to, we, we have to pause in a, in a situation and we have to, in our mind, you know, in, in our, whatever way we're, we're choosing to connect in, we have to separate and we have to do this with spirit's help. And they're always there to help us. We just need to ask. So um, it can be a little convoluted at times, but it's our responsibility and it's our role to just step up and take charge of the situation. Because I think that, you know, early for me in my mediumship, spirit took charge. And then I had to recognize, nope, I have a role. I play a role in this. So I need to take charge of this as well. And this is when things started to drastically change in my mediumship. So that's just a thought as well. Cool. You, you remind me of the movie Ghosts, right? Where the, there's Whoopi Goldberg as the medium and all these family members are trying to come through. I was actually thinking of what happens when we have one client versus a whole family sitting there, if that's different. But you brought up a very good point, Nicole, that what happens when you have two people across the veil who feel exactly the same and several want to come in at once. Either scenario, uh, Britta, go with you. 
Yeah, I was also going to say, um, tagging on to what Nicole said too, it's also an art as you get further along in your mediumship. And so when you start to have um, families come in or three siblings come in, typically the, the spirit communicator talks in general, but then they meet each soul at where they're at in the session. And so one person may be much more open to the mediumship connection than the other sibling in the spirit knows exactly what their loved one needs to hear from their soul. And I just find it amazing as I've watched it unfold over these years and how specific they are in meeting the needs of their loved one in that information that they share. Beautiful. Nice. Colleen, you had a hand up. Um, yeah. Sometimes people will ask me, hey, should I come and do the reading by myself or should I bring my sister, my friend, whatever? And um, I always ask them and get a feel for what, one, what their personality is and two, what they are hoping to, what their intention is and what they're hoping to achieve. Because when there's multiple people there, um, one, just as everyone said, we can't guarantee that um, person A's spirit people and departed loved ones are going to come. It could be all about person B, attendee B, and they get all, you know, 90% of the time. So I just make sure that clients know when they come that we can't, we can't equal out the amount of time between the people sitting across from us, the humans here on earth. And then the other thing that I take note of is if somebody is particularly protective, like, oh, I want to bring, I want to bring my mom, but she's, you know, really in grief right now. And I'm, then I know for that person, I oftentimes for that person, the session is going to, they're going to be sort of distracted about protecting the other person that they care so much about. And so all their energy is going to the other participant mm. and, and it, it tends to be that their loved ones don't come in because they're so busy um, managing the people in the room. So I always have people consider those things. And and there's really nothing like a one-on-one -on -one reading as far as it being the mystical and deep like Nicole's talking about. I mean, you can sometimes get there with a whole gallery of people, but the depth and the mysticism and that kind of thing tends to be a one-on-one -on -one in my experience so far. Nice. Yeah. Anything to add to that discussion, Lisa? I, I actually would. And in fact, it wound up being a funny one that, that I was brought to. We had a reading um, for a woman and we were connected to her mother and her 15 year old daughter kept coming in the room. And I had explained to her I, I don't read for people under 18 and she, the daughter kept being pulled in the room. And so I said, well, you're her mother. If I have your permission, you know, she can sit here. And the very first thing that came out was the grandmother said to the daughter, you're vaping. That's going to make you very sick. And that 15 year old went, Oh, and nailed. <laughs> I mean, these are real people. It's it's your kitchen table. So I love when families come, but when families come, um, uh, a a father in spirit speaking to his wife and his daughter, um, because I have a lot of widows and widowers, just as many as as um, parents whose children have crossed. They're going to say different things, just as you would in a room. It, these are real people we're talking to, and they're going to have different conversations. I would, my son would have a different conversation with me 
than he would have with his dad. And at the same time, there's a lot of healing that happens when couples come together. Just, you know, it's a reunion. It's a it's a reunion of the heart. So I I think if people are drawn, you know, to share in sharing the experience, spirit knows that. Spirit knows what they're gonna say, you know, with Aunt Susan and Grandma in the room. And um it's really beautiful when those kind of things come through. Yes. I love how you likened it to a family reunion. I usually see a symbol of a tent when a reading starts and I know we're going to get four or five people and it's going to be that family reunion. You reminded me, Lisa, of one I did for three couples who all had spouses across the veil and they all knew each other, the six of them. And it was really fun. It was the first time Ty witnessed me work and they, the spouses across the veil were talking to each other in the way they each knew each other. And it turned out that the one wife of the, in spirit of the man who was here used to go to summer camp with the other woman whose husband was across the veil. So they knew each other as kids. And the husband here was learning all kinds of things about his deceased wife when she was a kid, about what little hellions they were at summer camp. It was just stunning. It was a party, absolutely a party. It was not a grief filled, oh my goodness, our three spouses across the veil. And this is what's so beautiful about mediumship, isn't it? It's just healing and helpful. Well, this has been great, but we're not quite done. I'd like to give each of you a chance to think of something, and it can be the same thing each person says or something unique about if you were tuning into a panel with five professional mediums, what would you want to know? In other words, what question didn't I ask? What can you address to make sure that we touch on the points that are most important for those watching or listening? Sometimes um, people will ask at what the timing, at what time should I go for my reading? And in general, mediums will often say three to six months. But um, really what it comes down to is how's your emotional state? Because as we, you know, when we answered the questions earlier, it is helpful for you to have enough energy to be able to join in the process because it's your battery, my battery, spirit. So if you're totally hunkered down in deep, deep grief, it's not that it can't be done. It's just, it'll, uh, it takes a, it takes a lot to lift you up. So, um, I generally find, you know, at least like a month past the person's passing is, is good, but it's when you feel like you can lift your head up again and, and um, you have enough energy to go through this process. You're strong enough to go through. Um, but I, I did say I'm a therapist and I do feel like readings are a great adjunct to talk therapy. And um, therapy is really important and useful in the grief journey, but so is a good reading. And, and I'm a therapist and I can tell you a really good reading. I swear to God, it's worth about, it packs about six months of therapy Absolutely. into one hour. So um, they're both great healing paths. Um, so yeah, so that's a question I'm often asked. Great advice. Yeah. Who else to go next? Britta. Um, I would just say, you know, you touched on the ethics and I know that in your community, 
everybody knows how important evidential mediumship is, but we still get clients who will tell me stories at the end of their sister went to so-and-so and told them something with no evidence and it really just jarred them. And I always try to encourage people because they'll say, you know, I don't, you know, know who to go to or how do I decide what medium to see? And, you know, Helping Parents Heal has a great provider list um, as Mark Ireland does, but also word of mouth, you know, that, that they get from a friend that may have had a really great experience. And that evidential mediumship is just such a key component because as we're all evidential mediums, the love is weaved through the information that's being shared to show that they're right here with us every day. Beautiful. So word of mouth is an outstanding way. And then if not by word of mouth to find a medium, then somebody who has been shown to be the real deal through a testing process of some sort. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. Nicole, do you have Sure. I think that um, something that really um, helps in a mediumship reading is that when you have a need, I find when you have a need, it opens up just, it's, it's almost like just opens up this portal in a sense of, of um, so much healing and so much um, knowledge that you can gain in a mediumship reading when there's a need for it. So I've had clients that have been, even been like repeat clients. And sometimes I have to be honest, I'm like, why are you back? You know, what is it that, what do you need? What are you looking for? What are you searching for? And I feel like that it's in those moments that you know, talk therapy would be something that would be really beneficial for them because the need is a fuel, you know, it's, it's an energetic, I find that it's an, an energetic fuel. And so um, I think that that's something that we don't talk about a lot because, you know, we want, we want everybody to, I want everyone to experience what I experience every day, but and, and there is beauty and value that comes from, you know, from readings when you don't have a need. But when you have a need or a spe something specific that you are working on in your life and you feel as though seeing a medium and healing wounds or checking in is really going to make an impact on you as a human being and your ability to move forward in your life. This is when I feel for me personally, like the amazing magic happens with a need more so than um, I'm just checking in, you know, yeah. that just it's just that energy is for a medium for myself. That energy can, can become really hard. It's almost like it's almost like there's a web and you're just trying to push your way through it, you know? Yep. So um that's what I would say. Nice point. I like to ask my clients, you don't have to be specific. I don't need you to tell me who you want to hear from, but what's your intention? Because oh. your intention just oh, creates the results that you want. And mm -hmm. so I just I remember having a client say, Oh, I don't know. And I said, well, why did you want a reading? I don't know. <laughs> it, it, like you say, Nicole, just, I said, well, come up with a good intention. Do you want to hear from loved ones or do you want to hear about you? So it's great advice to be very clear what you want because we are manifesting our reality. Absolutely. Nice. Lisa. Um, I know a lot of my clients, I get a lot of these same questions. So as far as a, an opportunity to ask a medium, here are the questions I get. 
When I felt my bed move, was this my husband? When I felt something brush up against my face as I was walking through the store, was my sister with me? When I saw someone who looked exactly like my son, and then I looked again and they looked different, was that my son? Yes, 100%. Mediumship is simply communication, as I said, and yet again, to drive this point home, that there is no death and that your loved ones are still around you and that you can continue to have a relationship with them once we have the grief. And yet once we start to recognize those things that are happening around us ourselves, we're able to establish a new relationship until we're physically get together again. And the answer to your question, Suzanne, is what I would tell everyone is pay attention to what's going on with you because it's real and it's it's pure love. And I know everybody who's watching or listening can feel it here. What I'm struck by here, what I feel is the greatest gift in this panel here, this hour we spent together, is everybody got to witness that you are all very normal. <laughs> you're all very balanced. You're all very grounded. And yet you're talking to dead people every day, right? There's no Hollywood here. There's no hype. There's no sensationalism. There is just this reverence for this work and a very strong desire to serve and to heal. And I honor that in all of you. And thank you for your time. And I, I pray that everybody who's watching will go out. And if they don't uh, find each of you for a reading and everybody, you look in the description on YouTube for this video. Each person here on the panel, their name and their website for contact information is going to be in the description. If you don't happen to have the good fortune of having a reading with one of these four ladies, then may you find an evidence-based medium who comes from the heart like all of they do, them do. Thank you all so much for being on the show. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so love much. you all. Suzanne. We love all of you who are here in our community. Join us here every Sunday. Look forward to seeing you again next week. Bye-bye. I'm Michelle Phillips, a celebrity makeup artist, beauty expert, self-confidence coach, and Hay House author. My podcast, Beauty and Beyond, is the place for women navigating the challenges of the aging process. Listen in for my professional advice, as well as my expert guests, as we share valuable tips, practical tools, and empowering resources to help you not only look amazing, but also live an amazing life part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and available wherever you get your podcasts.